electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the keynote by CNBC Events. I'm Tyler Matheson. On this podcast, we bring you in-depth, candid conversations with CEOs, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders recorded at CNBC's live events. Today, a conversation with Arvind Krishna, CEO of IBM. He's leading the 109-year-old tech giant through an historic moment as IBM splits into two public companies by the end of 2021. He joined my colleague John Fort at CNBC's Evolve Summit on November 10th, 2020, to talk about the bold risk he's taking to reinvent IBM, an iconic brand. Take a listen. I want to start off not with Nuco and the, and the spinoff of the infrastructure business, services business uh, unit yet, but first this uh, letter that you wrote to President-elect Joe Biden you laid out some specific priorities there. I'm curious about the timing of it. You're very quick out of the blocks after um, the networks, including NBC, uh, called uh, this election over the weekend for President-elect Biden. But what was your thinking behind doing it and doing it now? John, first, it's a pleasure to talk to you again. And thank you to you and to CNBC for uh, allowing me here. So following the networks, we are no political experts, so let me just say that. But the networks and the various states, as they uh, called for President-elect Biden, IBM has historically worked with administrations of both parties in order to further our country's economic agenda. We felt it was really important to lay out priorities which can help further where we are. And as I said in the letter, uh, promoting unity promoting science, promoting digital infrastructure, and providing economic opportunity so that people who are disadvantaged can move forward, and promoting better trust is really important to move our nation forward. Then, in order to provide a little bit of color, we wrote a little bit of what we mean by each of these, and really using science to fight COVID, using artificial intelligence as well as supercomputing to come up with better therapeutics and recipes in order to promote reskilling. And maybe not everyone needs to have a four-year college degree to have a great job. And I think you would agree that really promoting racial justice by furthering trust in technology, using precision regulation to avoid inappropriate use, I think are great examples where the public and private sector can come together to really move the needle forward in this country. Yeah, you specifically recommend uh First off, in the letter, the establishment of a scientific readiness reserve, that in the context of the continuing fight against COVID, we're talking about evolving and largely in the context of business in this event, but government, I suppose, needs to evolve too. We could all agree. What would a scientific readiness reserve do toward that governmental evolution? You know, I, I had great advice uh, from some, I'll call them four stars in the United States uh, defense recently. And they talked about the fact that it's not enough to have only active members. Let's think of those as 
the scientists who work within the government, but they have a reserve core. And you call on the reserve core when everybody in the active is being overwhelmed in order to provide uh, brain power, in order to provide uh, physical power, and in order to supplement what's already there. It's not casting any aspersions or stones at who's there, but it's providing greater capacity. 70%, maybe even more, of the U.S. scientific uh, manpower is in the private sector. So creating a reserve out of that, which can help on certain topics, like I think the current pandemic clearly uh, requires that help, would then be able to go do that. So that's what we're kind of modeled on, where you can draw upon those people who have the correct training and the skills, because it is those skills that can be brought to bear to solve these incredible problems we have right now around these health crises. Now, I see that iconic red hat over your left shoulder. So let's go there, as well as talking about the the restructuring that you have planned. So that's two big moves that you've been a part of, the Red Hat acquisition before you were named CEO, continuing into now, and now this spinoff of the infrastructure services business. Is this the most significant portion, those two things, of the evolution you see, or are there further structural moves perhaps to go for IBM? No, I would call these the most significant moves. But maybe, John, if you don't mind to give me a minute, I'll give you some context against these. We saw and called hybrid cloud as a fundamental tectonic force in, the, in, in our industry about three years ago. We built the confidence on that by doing many projects, building technologies, and that led to the Red Hat acquisition. The Red Hat acquisition gave us the technology base on which to build a hybrid cloud technology platform based on open source and based on being giving choice to our clients as they embark on this journey. With the success of that acquisition now uh, giving us the fuel, we can then took the next step and the larger step of taking the managed infrastructure services out so the rest of the company can be absolutely focused on hybrid cloud and artificial intelligence. Our estimates are this is a trillion dollar opportunity. When you have an opportunity that big and you're still in the early stages of that, it behooves you as a business to put all your focus, all your energy behind that and pieces that may be relevant but are not that critical uh, to that opportunity can be separated so they themselves can also thrive and grow in the best way possible. So going after the hybrid cloud opportunity recognizing the trillion dollars, putting an absolute maniacal focus on going after it, creating the platform based on Red Hat and creating the expertise and services to help our clients make that journey. That's what we're all about, John. And that is why this is so exciting. And I think that we are now got the right strategy and the right portfolio to pursue that opportunity. Well, Arvind, go even broader with me strategically and how you're thinking about IBM's evolution. Because I think back several years to another big technology company, Microsoft, and so many of the chattering classes, we can say now, had it wrong about what Microsoft needed. Uh, There were talks about somebody coming in from the outside, perhaps from the auto industry. What a great idea that would have been. Massive shakeups and and blowups of the business. But it turned out that there were some other pieces that that others didn't see that were important. So when you look at culture, when you look at communication as well as the technology piece, how are those things going to change and how does that fit into your vision for IBM's evolution? 
So John, so we talked a lot for the last few minutes about, I'll call it portfolio. Other than portfolio, culture is absolutely critical. And I've talked a lot internally about a growth mindset and about being much more uh, entrepreneurial. And we can be entrepreneurs even within large companies, but it comes from having extreme focus. So when we provide the focus of being focused on hybrid cloud and artificial intelligence, which I believe are the two fundamental forces, then you say, how do you unlock everybody being able to go after that and the growth mindset, whether, and that's, by the way, based on research from a Stanford psychologist, I believe she's from Stanford, called Carol Dweck, so with full credit uh, to Professor Dweck. Uh, and, and I'm going to paraphrase it in a way that she'll find overly simplistic, but you can think about it as, is the glass half full or half empty? Focus on what can be done as opposed to what cannot be done. And really the ability to pick up and go after what is a, a fundamental uh, North Star or the goal you're after. And I think many sports teams are great exemplars of this, but even if you're a bit behind, you can go after it. So putting that culture through the whole company, making sure that that is what is part of the attributes of successful employees is a big piece of what we're after. But it's also about being much more entrepreneurial, going after what you believe is going to be the best victory, both for our clients and for ourselves which is pursuing hybrid cloud. Look, when I begin to define what our clients are after, I believe that most of our clients, especially the large ones, will use multiple public clouds, not just one. They will also use multiple as a service properties. They are also likely because of regulation or latency to use things on premise, whether we want to use the word edge cloud or private, et cetera. So when you put that together, that is hybrid. What's a technology platform that gives you comfort in what is called the DevSecOps platform or what gives you comfort mm. around the overall resilience? How can you have only one a way to develop across this environment? That's what we're after when we call the technology platforms. And that is where Red Hat plays such a key role based on their wonderful history on bringing open source innovation to bear for enterprises and governments. The other side of it is so, many of our clients need help in moving the technologies right. forward and in moving our people forward. And that's and, and that's what I wanted to ask about next. You've got this IBM hybrid cloud ecosystem initiative that really involves pulling in a lot of partners, figuring out specific customer needs and charting a path uh, using a hybrid cloud. As you really focus on hybrid but you also have to bring in partners to that. What are some of the challenges in remaining focused, but also messaging outside the organization as you try to, to bring clients along? So I began by talking a little bit about open source, but open source is not enough to be just a piece of code and a piece of technology. It's also important to be open so you can bring the innovation of all our partners on behalf of our clients. And so that's why you're hearing us talk about investing a billion dollars in our ecosystem. And the goal of this is to really say that we can work with our ecosystem to bring their capabilities, both products and technologies and services on top of our hybrid cloud platform on behalf of our clients. And some great examples in there recently on the, on the, on the, service, on the product side of as a service you saw us make great announcements with Adobe 
in service now in the last few weeks. And that is about bringing the, their capabilities on, to, uh, on behalf of our clients. You also heard us make great announcements with services companies like Tech Mahindra and Wipro, amongst others, to, as they are building our practices on these platforms. Because then our client gets the best mm. of all worlds. They can begin to pick and choose. And you, other than those, we also have a Red Hat uh, open marketplace, which has now over 100 different uh, software vendors who are bringing their capabilities on top of the OpenShift platform. So when we go across ISVs, yep. we go across large as a service, you go across services, it's give the best of all uh, on behalf of our clients. Now I want to uh, remind our audience, get those questions in. They are getting to me. And we've got one now, Arvind, from Sanjay, who asked, given that IBM is currently positioned at number four in the cloud service provider market and the number one and two, uh, that would be Amazon and Microsoft, command nearly 80% of the market share, how does IBM intend to compete and gain market share in the hybrid cloud market? Well, so I think uh, it's a question of understanding what's hybrid as opposed to pure public. So I look at both Microsoft and Amazon as likely partners in this journey, not as being the one and two. It's about in the hybrid world, the question is where does the client want to decide where the workload runs? They can run it on Amazon, they can run it on Microsoft, they can run it on IBM, they can run it on private. What is the technology platform that goes across all of those? Red Hat gives a great answer to that technology platform. There are many capabilities people need around integration, around cybersecurity. We'll bring those to bear. Then if we bring our services to bear for those clients who would like to get that help, both in improving the skills of their own people or for us to do the work for them, and that is why you see us report $24 billion in trailing 12 months on total cloud revenue, but that's a hybrid market not a singular public cloud market. Hmm. Now, to follow up on that, Arvind, how much do you have to work on IBM's reflexes to make that vision work the way you want? Because often organizations might have reflexes to serve their internal units even above perhaps a, a, a customer's particular wants and needs. They might want to steer them toward another IBM product, for example. Are those reflexes where you want them to be, or is that part of the evolution process you're talking about now? I would call that a opportunity moving forward, John. And the reason why you hear me talk about both the ecosystem and also the the uh, uh, the split we are doing of the spin-off, our new company of the managed infrastructure services, is to allow the remaining company to be much more focused on the path that I described in hybrid cloud. That implies then all that friction that may have been there is gone. But it's a step where I believe it'll be one of the steps that'll help unlock uh, the growth that we will uh, deliver in the medium term. Talk to me about your personal evolution as a leader, a technical leader, a CEO, oftentimes that takes a particular focus on deciding to work on specific things versus doing everything. What are you working on as the CEO of IBM, you know, getting into the seat in a year like none other? Well, so just given where we are right now, number one, I've got to focus on health and safety of our employees, as well as the stability of our balance sheet. So I focused on that. I think we've done a great job on that. 
98% of our people are comfortable working from home. Um, we have a great balance sheet. I think $16 billion is what we reported at the end of the third quarter as cash on our balance sheet. So I'll sort of chalk that up and say the team now knows how to do that. I have to be focused on two things. How do we make the remaining company grow? And that is what we're focused on. We have charted a path which I have extreme confidence and complete conviction on. And I have to make sure that we can communicate that message to our employees, to our clients, to our investors, and to our communities. And John, as a quick example, uh, on community, you can see the letter to President-elect Biden, to our employees, you talked about the culture we do inside, to clients is our hybrid cloud and AI message, and to investors is the growth we'll deliver. So those are the four, and those are the four, I think, large audiences that every CEO ought to focus on. Hmm. Okay. Let's talk about your customers and the evolution that they're going through and the ways that you're working on helping them. I know that telemedicine and oil and gas are a couple of areas that you're giving particular focus during this time. How do you engage with them with these hybrid cloud technologies in a way that makes that evolution both as smooth and as quick as possible? So I think John will agree. I think the digital journey that everybody's on, leveraging both cloud and AI, is the backdrop of the fundamental forces in information technology. Then if you look at, uh, at health, I think that we've all been looking at the opportunity for telemedicine for 10 years, maybe even longer, but it's been really, really slow uh, to move forward. What this current crisis drove is that people are not quite willing. Providers are willing to give telemedicine because that allowed them uh, to make revenue as well as to provide services uh, to patients. And people who are not willing to leave their home could get telemedicine. And so uh, some of our clients have 40 million patients, 40 million now taking advantage of telemedicine services. And that is uh, with the Anthem. So when you look at that, I think that's a great example of leveraging both hybrid cloud and AI with all of the networking and other technologies that other people on this, uh, um, on this uh, session have talked about uh, going there. Then if I look at another client like Schlumberger, and I actually call them a partner, not a client. How do you take the ability to provide much cleaner gas, to use much less water, to be wonderfully better for the environment while finding clean energy and being able to take those technologies and apply them using software um, all over the globe, because not everywhere is there a public cloud available. Many countries are reluctant to let their data cross the national boundaries. So working on a hybrid cloud platform, again, based on Red Hat, but bringing IBM services together with the wonderful intellectual property and software assets that Schlumberger has, and then opening them up for the whole world, I think is a win-win-win. Win for our clients because they get the technology, win for Schlumberger because they can go to places they couldn't go before, and a win for us because it's a proof of hybrid cloud. A couple questions. I want to try to hit on them both, so I, I know you can be concise, but Rashida asks, are there any tips that you can share for leading innovation and strategic planning using Agile? Trust your team. Be really, really focused on what are the two, three, four, five things you asked earlier about my change. Don't be a micromanager. I focus on three to five things. I got to trust that my team is good enough to focus on everything else. So let them do what they do best. 
and provide value in the three to five things that make a really big difference to the team. And agile, walk into every meeting prepared. Don't let people use the meeting to educate. Use the meeting for discussion and to make a decision. And use, use, mm. uh, use the written word uh, to communicate ahead of time and to educate. Let me try to get Jimmy in here, too. He asks, what's next beyond the crowded market, the cloud? You and I have talked about quantum, so I know that's kind of a layup <laughs> for you. So we all know, I think we all agree, Moore's Law is coming to an end. So it's not that there won't be more design and, and more um, integrated circuits, but Moore's Law is coming to an end. And so I think that the power of computing to solve difficult problems is soon going to hit a plateau. Quantum offers a fundamentally different approach. And quantum, we laid out a roadmap. We are now sitting around quantum volumes of 60. I believe quantum volumes will get towards 1,000 by 2023, and that's the roadmap we gave. It doesn't need to get to millions. At a quantum volume of 1,000, and that's then three to five years out, you're going to begin to solve problems in materials, in risk, in pricing, that can make a fundamental impact and provide competitive advantages. Look, when we want lightweight materials, when we all want better batteries for EVs, when we want lightweight materials for aircraft, these are all examples which can make such a big difference for a sustainable world. And not to forget, I think it's a little bit harder than just materials, but I think drug discovery will be something that quantum computers are going to be great at as well. You can see, I'm so excited about what these will bring. And in the near term, not that far away, when I talk about three to five years. That was Arvind Krishna, IBM's CEO. He joined John Ford at CNBC's Evolve Summit on November 10th, 2020. The keynote is produced by the CNBC events team. For more information about upcoming CNBC events and how you can join us, visit CNBCEvents.com. I'm Tyler Matheson. Thanks for listening. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.